Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in the hills of Coleraine, Massachusetts. We're so thankful that you're joining us, all five of you. Welcome, one and all. Well, we're going to finish uh, the book of Timothy, Second Timothy, today, Lord willing. Uh, some of you may not have thought about it. Some of you have, especially those that are older. Making out a will. You ever thought about making out a will? It's referred to as a will and testimony. Well, the passages we're going to study today in chapter 4, the last chapter of 2 Timothy, it's like Paul's last will, his testimony. And uh, we're going to get Joe to read that. There's a Bible in the pew, and you can follow along with it. Also, you've got one of these in the bulletin. And uh, there's, there's a questionnaire if you want to follow along. All the answers will be in the message. Okay, Joe. Good morning. You're going to have to excuse me for the pronunciation on some of these names. I'm a country boy from Arizona, so I... <laughs> We're going to be on page 1855. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? And in view of his appearing and kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like the drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord of righteousness, judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to also all of those who have longed for his appearing." Do your best to come to me quickly. For Damas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Saracens has gone to Galatha and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Titus to Ephesus, 
When you come, bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus and Taurus, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposes our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesophorus. Estrus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Iblis greets you, and so do Pudens, Linnets, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord will be with your spirit, and grace be with you. Praise God for his word. I say it's all Greek to me, Joe. <laughs> All right, let's just uh, open in a word of prayer then. Thank you, Lord, again for bringing us all here. Thank you for our visitors. And uh, we pray that you'll give us understanding of this message. May we be tuned in, help us to concentrate and learn something new for our benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. The title of this message is... Final letter from a condemned man. Final letter from a condemned man. The condemned man is the Apostle Paul, St. Paul. Today, like I said, we're going to be finishing Paul's final letter to a young pastor called Timothy, who was uh, serving the Lord over at Ephesus in Turkey. So uh, he was some distance away. Paul was imprisoned in Rome. And uh, like I said, this letter is the last one written by him. He's written quite a number of letters, the majority of which is made up of the New Testament. This is the final one, written from a prison cell while awaiting execution, simply because he was teaching and preaching the word of God and teaching that uh, Jesus is Lord and not Caesar, the emperor of Rome, which at that time happened to be Nero. A lot of Christians were persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, even though Paul was facing his own imminent death, he still wrote this letter to encourage young Timothy to keep on keeping on as a minister of the gospel. He wasn't going to be able to do that anymore because he was facing execution. He reminds Timothy how his family 
had brought him up from an early age in the faith. And then later he served as a missionary with the Apostle Paul, sowing the good seed of the gospel message. What is the gospel message? That Jesus was born of a virgin, that he was perfect without sin. He died on a cross, he shed his sinless blood he was buried and he rose again from the dead and is alive. And that blood that he shed is able to wash away our sins if we trust him as our saviour and believe what he did on our behalf on that cross. Timothy, he did have a strong faith from childhood that would help him to stand fast against the opposition that he would face as a pastor and uh, to have total reliance on the Word of God. You know, that's the only thing you can really rely on, is the Word of God to be totally true, because it is true. Facing opposition. In fact, every evangelical pastor certainly needs uh, the encouragement and the courage to defend the truth revealed in the Bible, because the Bible is truth. Why? The Bible offends people. The truth offends people. They don't want to hear it or disagree with it. And the majority are in that mindset. In verses 1 through 5, it includes Paul's commands to Timothy. Some of your version, Bible version says charge. The charge to ministry is commands to young Timothy. And he's using strong, forceful language because of his own imminent demise. He knows he's going to be executed. So it's important to get this message to Timothy before it's too late. This is the last letter. He's not going to write another one to anybody. He knows that he wouldn't survive the Roman executioner's sword for much longer. So he wants to be certain that regardless of what would happen to him, Timothy would, would still carry on and he was obligated to continue the work of the Lord and finish the course just like Paul himself had done. It says that in verse 7 and 8 as he gives his testimony. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the the race or the course, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Timothy was commanded to continue to preach the word while he was able to do it. Because in the future, Paul warns, people would not be willing to listen to sound biblical teaching. And it's just like that today. They're not willing, you know, to listen to sound biblical teaching because generally people just don't want to change. They would rather listen to false teachers who would tell them what they want to hear. And they would turn away from believing the Bible to believe myths, fables, or lies, 
unsubstantiated fairy tales not based on the truth, right? They'd sooner listen to fairy tales than listen to the word of God being taught and preached, which is for their benefit. So Paul strongly urges Timothy to never compromise what he knows to be right. There is, there is a difference between right and wrong. And the Bible tells us what the difference is. Amen? So rather than going along with the various philosophical belief systems, even that exist today, that lead people away from God, Timothy was to hold on to the truth, preach the truth, and nothing but the truth. So Paul is there in that dungeon, in the Roman jail, and he's, he's like most people, you know, when you get older, the older you get, you tend to look back. You remember things that you've done, even as a little child, that you completely forgot. Anyone relate to that? Can't remember what happened yesterday, but, you know, you can remember things that happened when you were a little baby. Child. And there he was. He was looking back on his life on earth, but he was also contemplating his future in heaven. He had that hope, you see. Even though under those very difficult circumstances, he never lost hope because he knew where he was going to go when he died, which he did. He remembers his friends that he would leave behind, many that was mentioned in this letter he would leave behind when he was gone. Many who had deserted him, deserted him. You know, that's one thing, and I mentioned that in the prayer. You know, people will desert you, people will forsake you. But you know what? Jesus would never, never leave you, never forsake you, never desert you. If you receive him as your saviour, you can be guaranteed on that. And we're all going to die one day. Somebody's going to desert us. Somebody's going to leave us, you know, and we're going to leave them. But Jesus will never leave us. There was one, however, that didn't desert him. And his name, it tells us, was Luke. And coincidentally, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, this is the same Luke who wrote the book of Luke. And he also wrote the book of Acts as well. Luke used to visit Paul. He was the only one that did. He was the only one that was left to visit him. Most of them had deserted him. Well, they didn't want to associate with him because they didn't want to be arrested and end up in jail like he was. Luke was a faithful friend. Obviously, he had a lot of courage. He had, but he also had a job to do. He would learn the history of the early church. And what better person to give him the history of the early church but the Apostle Paul while he was in jail. And we have the history of the early church written in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. And who wrote the book of Acts? Luke, the same guy we're talking about. We can read about the early church because Luke was faithful to go visit his friend and write down 
the things that Luke, uh, Paul told him to write down. And we can read it for ourselves. I heard someone on the radio, Michael Youssef, was saying that was it, 82% of Christians only read their Bibles. I don't know whether that's true or not. I haven't met everyone. But um, we need to for our own benefit. So there he was in a dungeon. He's looking back on his life. He's contemplating his future. He's thinking about his friends. Most of Paul's friends, and he had many, you know when you become a Christian, you've got friends all over the world. I've got friends here. I don't really know some of you, but I know you're, you're my friends. You became my friends. Why? Because we have that common bond. We love the Lord. You can go anywhere in the world and meet up with Christians, and you've got that, that friendship, that common bond that unites us together. It's an amazing thing. Many left on good terms and continued in the Lord's service, while others, and he mentions this fellow called Demas, he deserted him. He went back to Thessalonica in Greece. Don't know whether he abandoned the faith altogether, but he just turned away from serving the Lord and the things of the Lord. And he's encouraged Timothy, he said, don't be like Demas. You keep on keeping on. Run the race. Finish the course until you're spent like I am. So that was Demas. And uh, Soma had worked with Paul when he was a missionary, sowing the good seeds, preaching the gospel. They were unable to vouch for him during his trial because of the hostile Roman government's persecution of Christians. They absolutely despised Christians, and many were put to death. You know, many were torn apart in the Colosseum by wild animals. Many were dipped in tar and set alight. So you can understand why a lot of these Christians that worked with Paul at one time, they kind of kept the distance. They didn't want to end up like that, like he did, having his head removed from his body, which he did. But he knew, despite all that, despite of all the desertions, despite all the people that left him, he knew he could totally rely on the help and the presence of the Lord because, like I said, the Lord never leaves us, neither will he ever forsake us. Regardless of the circumstances, and they were dire, Paul had peace. Peace that you can't get anywhere else in this world. Because once you receive the Prince of Peace, then you're totally at peace. Amen? Regardless of what happens. You know, and life is hard. You've already discovered that. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have trouble. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And he says there, he said in verse 18, he said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. That's where he knew that's where he was going. Are you, do, you, do you know where you're going when you die? 
You can, if you receive Jesus, you'll be certain about it. Do we think about the, how God protects us? You ever had any uh, narrow escapes this past week? Probably if you're a policeman, you did. That's why we need to play for, pray for policemen every single day. The dangers they put themselves in. We've got a, a new car. It's not brand new. Coming down the big rotary on Route 2, some of you, and I'm on the right side going, no, nobody knows how to use rotaries in this country, I'm sorry. <laughs> because there's not that many of them. I'm on the right-hand lane, I'm coming around, you know where they're coming off 91? The exit, this person, he's supposed to yield there, right? I'm coming around, I've got the right of way. He keeps going, he didn't even look at me. And I gave him the horn. It's a great horn, lovely. I love that horn. And he's like, oh yeah, there's a car coming. So he finally stopped, you know, yielded like he's supposed to, by law, and let Jimmy go and get some gas. All right. Anyone, has God protected you this week? I'll tell you another story. When was it? Saturday. I go for my daily walk down the cemetery, not too far, the West Branch Cemetery. It's raining, right? That was yesterday, right? Yes, this is yesterday. So I've got an umbrella. My Mickey Mouse Disney umbrella. I couldn't find the other one. That's the only one I could find, right? I don't care. I've got, you know, no shame. <laughs> so I'm walking around, there's nobody around in my Mickey Mouse Disney umbrella. Walking around the cemetery. There's always a car down the park near the bridge there. Suddenly this pit bull comes racing out towards me, snarling, growling, things gonna attack me. Out of nowhere, not on a leash. So I got the umbrella and I went like this. And it stopped. It just dumbfounded the stupid thing. It didn't know what to do, you know? It didn't have a point on it or anything. It's my Mickey Mouse Disney umbrella. And it was scared of it, you know? And then another one comes out and it was trying to circle me. I thought, oh, good. And then the owner shows his face and he's calling this stupid dog and it was ignoring him because it wanted to bite me. And he finally, you know, he went back to its owner he says, sorry about that. I said, uh, you know, you should put that thing on a leash because one of these days it might bite somebody. And we said, it's never bitten anybody yet. I said, well, there's always a first time. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, so any, if you're walking down that cemetery, always carry a Mickey Mouse Disney umbrella. <laughs> you know, so he says there, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. And that's why I thought of the pit bull. <laughs> so anyway, he's, he's optimistic. He, he wants Timothy to also ask another missionary colleague of his named Mark. Okay, who's this Mark guy? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, this is the same Mark. Send Mark to come visit me, ask Mark to come and visit me. And what does he ask for? 
his coat. So obviously, you know, it's probably cold and damp in that dungeon. He was feeling, you know, it's an old man. He's feeling the effects of the cold. And he tells him to bring his books and also the parchments. Right? The word of God that he's writing. He also warned Timothy about some troublemakers. One particular troublemaker, and he mentions him by name, called Alexander. Not the great. Alexander, and uh, this version says metal worker. Some uh, versions that you've got call him Alexander the coppersmith. So it's, he was a man that worked with metal. So we know this, the Bible is up to date because we've got heavy metal in the Bible. Okay. Good. You get that, don't you? Thank you. That will be recorded, by the way. So nobody's sure who this Alexander was, but, you know, he was enough of a threat that Paul had to call him out by name to protect the church from his bad influences. You know, sometimes, reluctantly, faithful pastor shepherds have to call out troublemakers by name in order to protect the flock. That's unfortunate, but it has to be done sometimes. And it's an unenviable task. However, unfortunately, when we tell the truth, we're going to make enemies. Just like the Apostle Paul made enemies. But he still had lots of friends. And he sends them his greetings. And others, Christians, apparently, that were incarcerated there as well. Possibly in jail. They also send their greetings to Timothy. So I'm almost finished. Paul's final words in verse 22. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. That's his final words. That's the final words he ever wrote to anybody. Now this is an appropriate conclusion to Paul's letters and his life on earth. He knew he wouldn't survive imprisonment for very long, but he could look back on his life knowing he had faithfully served God by following Jesus Christ as his savior. He was actually looking forward to the heavenly rewards that he would receive, whom the God, the God, the righteous judge would give to him. And he says, not only to him, but also all those that have served Jesus, that have faithfully served Jesus as well. So I hope you're looking forward to your heavenly rewards that God the righteous judge will give you as well if the things that you've done for the Lord were done with the right motive. Right? Because God knows our hearts. He was looking forward to those rewards. He, 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 didn't, he wasn't without hope. And so rather than uh, despair 
under the circumstances. He rejoiced in his salvation and he's praising God who made it all possible. At one time before Paul became a Christian, he hated Christians. He's a very high-ranking Pharisee and he thought he's doing God a favour by wiping out Christians from the face of the earth. And then he became a Christian himself. And he was never the same again. So, that wraps up Paul's last letter to his dear friend and protege, Timothy, that specifically warns him against the false teachers that would raise their ugly head, and also how to conduct himself as a pastor in the ministry. Now, knowing all these things, Timothy is told in no uncertain terms to continue to preach the truth regardless of the opposition that he may face. And he ends this letter by emphasizing the grace of God, the wonderful grace of God, the grace that God, the grace of God that saved him, the grace of God that not only enabled him to carry out God's will in his life, but also to give him the strength that he needed, suffering severely under very, very difficult circumstances. The grace of God is the unmerited, unearned favour of God. Knowing that soon his problems would all be over, I uh, again watched probably the best Western ever made on planet Earth, The Magnificent Seven. The first time I saw that, I was 10 years old, and I still watch it. I'm not telling how old I am now. And there was one character called Lee, and he was very fearful, and he lost his nerve. And then these Mexicans were trying to say, we, we know what it's like to live in fear. Only the dead have no fear. All right? Paul knew that. Paul knew that. All his problems will soon be over. And at that moment, he would be absent when that executioner's sword would cut off his head. He knew he would be absent from his body and present with the Lord. The Lord he loved, the Lord he served since becoming a Christian. When he was saved by grace, through faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross that he couldn't do for himself. Amen? Well, thank you, and God bless you. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Lord, I want to thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the ones that are here, the ones that are watching, the ones that are listening. May we be like the Apostle Paul, look back on our life. And cool, we all make mistakes, every one of us. None of us are perfect. This is why we needed a perfect saviour to die for us, to have our sins forgiven by God, so we could have a home in heaven when we leave this world. And the only way we can do that is by receiving Jesus Christ, who is the life, the way, the truth, 
thank you for the Apostle Paul, all the work that he did and all the things that he'd suffered. He thought it was all worthwhile. He bore the scars for his service for you because he loved you and willing to pay the price, the ultimate price, which he did, knowing that you paid the ultimate price on the cross. Even though we're all guilty, you were totally innocent. The just dying for the unjust to bring us to God. I hope and pray all of us will have called upon your name to save us from our sins so we can be present with the Lord when we leave this world, which we surely will. And I ask these things in the name which is above every name, Jesus Christ, the Saviour. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you and God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.